hey, welcome back to Down and Chat Podcast. This is Dan. And I'm Martin. And this is a podcast where two practitioners of philosophical and emotional discussions do a deep dive on a variety of topics, from TV shows to experiences with dating. And this week, we would like to welcome... Tina and Byrus. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. Tina and Byrus are good friends of ours. We have known each other for... Quite a number of years since uh, since undergrad, but would both of you like to give a little intro for yourselves? Yes. Hi. Hi, Dan and Martin. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm Tina. Um, yeah, so I've known both of you for a really long time. I've known Danny since elementary school and Martin in undergrad at university. And yeah, so I am a government employee by day and freelance writer and podcaster by night. So thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Happy to have you. Yes, I'm next. So hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Byers, and thanks for having me as well. So I am hmm, a senior advisor working in strategy and innovation, and I've known both Dan and Martin for... Actually, yeah, a number of years since undergrad as well. I think it was first year for Tina. And I'm going to say this is from one of our first year science courses. I think it was one of the labs. Yeah, I don't remember. But I remember we had a lot of classes together. Yeah, Yeah, and psychology classes too. Yes, yeah. I mean, because we were both in science. So as Mm -hmm. uh, first year students, you have a lot of the same introductory courses. So yeah, I think that, that's how I met Tina. You live in the same building as me as well. I don't think it was the same building building. It was the same <laughs> place. It was UWP, oh, but it wasn't the okay. same uh, specific okay, yeah. thing. Afterwards, in yeah. like second or third year, second yeah. year. Yes. And then... What about me? And then Byrus was... Oh, I rem- oh, I remember very oh. clearly. So Byrus was from a group friend dinner. We went to eat pho. And she came along because she was, we had a mutual friend who is the one I think who organized the dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I remember her well because she, she was into badminton at the time, or so I thought. So for the first little while, she was trying to get some of us to go, to go play as well. I wasn't as on board. I didn't really have like a badminton racket. I didn't really play. But I was like, okay, sure, why not? And I remember very clearly, vividly, <laughs> that... It took quite some time, but I finally agreed. And she was complaining the entire time when I was like, nah, I'm not really going to go. Next morning, which is when we decided to go play badminton. And she said she wanted to go early too. I think it was something like 10 a.m. And so it was pretty early. 10, maybe 10.30. But it was definitely before lunch in the morning. Let's rewrite the story and say it's earlier than that. So that my excuse makes sense. (laughs) I'm going to say it was 10 a.m. Just from memory. And... Uh, and so I showed up. I went to the gym. You know, I got my gym clothes ready. I, I had to borrow with someone's racket or and I was ready to play. She didn't show up. She was nowhere to be found. And so so we called oh. her and it turns out she had just barely woken up. So that that's was my <laughs> that was so my first why, impression of Barks. <laughs> that's why I'm saying I'm pretty sure it was earlier than 10 a.m. And uh, memorable first impression. You're welcome. Yes, <laughs> very, very memorable. The, the massive amount of flaking. Did you guys end up playing badminton together ever? I don't think so. I think that was the no. only time. Wow. That was, and that's that was not, that one. 
Yeah. She's so yeah. into badminton. <laughs> no, I played with Tina and I played with our mutual friends. Like we used to go pretty we much played. week we uh, every week and right weekend yeah or weekday yeah it was like weekly yeah exactly so we were actually into it I think it was just you um of course so mm -hmm. definitely yeah. <laughs> not because somebody just decided not to show up it was too early <laughs> yeah. let's go with that okay we okay. had a late night let's go with yeah. that as well <laughs> Uh, even though we both agreed on the time, along with everybody else in the group, it wasn't just me who was there. There was a few uh, others there too. But actually, I think when we went, it was actually closed anyways. I think some other like group at the university had booked it. Oh. And so we didn't get to play anyways. Yeah, I clearly knew about that. Ahead no, of time. that's besides the point. We, there was a commitment <laughs> from the group and somebody, somebody bailed. <laughs> But it's all good. It was, it was fun times. Fun times. Good memories. So to start our podcast today, because we've known each other for a number of years, <laughs> I, I actually enlisted the help of one of our colleagues, one of our previous guests, KP, to build me a little list. And I myself have not seen this list yet. But we're going to oh. rank each other from, you know, from first to fourth <laughs> based on the superlatives provided. When I say superlative, it's like the most likely to or the oh, worst okay. or whatever. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh, so based on the four of us, let's do this. <laughs> so based on the four of us, you know, we were gonna rank from first to last. Okay. Okay. So the okay. first superlative given to me was, who would be the first to retire between the four of us? Dan. Me? Yeah, I'd probably be the first to retire in my fifties. I think. I I'd agree with, either. Yeah. No, I'd go with Dan. I'd go with that. Yeah, go with it. <laughs> okay, let's follow the question. If I'm going to retire in my 50s, when do you folks plan to retire? When do we want to retire? Because, I mean, that's different <laughs> from when we'll likely retire. Fair. Okay, so let's well, we both the questions. When, when would you want to retire? And when are you more realistically going to retire? 40. Hmm. 40? Okay. Wait, 40 for which? Like, you want to? Want to? Well, yeah. I guess, like... I mean, ideally, it's earlier the better. Right. Um, so, yes, ideally. And then when I will realistically retire? I don't know. When's our retiring age? 65? 65. When is 65? If you have to 60. ask. Let's go with 60. There's Realist a lot of folks um, who say that, you know, that if you're, when they retire, they get super bored and they have nothing to do. Do you think yeah. you'll fall into the same, like, kind of hole or, like, situation? Actually, I think so. Maybe for me. I think so for me. Just because of like how I personally like being, doing a lot of things in general. <laughs> Let's go with by 60. I still have this energy. So yes. And yeah. Would you describe yourself as like workaholics? It's like you no. always want to be doing something, always have plans on a go. Not workaholic, but always have something to do. Yeah. I yeah, guess, like, what would you call that? As opposed to someone who, like, just is addicted to work, but someone who just wants to have their agenda filled. Busy body? That's totally Busy body is pretty accurate. Yeah. 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 I mean, how has that worked out for you in terms of the pandemic where we're, like, less likely to be seeing other people? Like, how have you filled up your schedule to make sure you're always doing something? Well, you don't actually have to see people to be doing something, right? Like, you can be improving yourself. So, I guess for me, for the past... Gosh, it's been a year. For the past year, I would say try new things, reading a lot more, 
connecting with people, still connecting with people. But yeah, just I think trying new things is the, the right thing mm. for me. Okay. So have you been keeping busy, Tina? Um, I've been doing a lot of different things. So I have been, yeah, like connecting with friends and also meeting new people virtually. And I have also been like doing different passion projects, like starting the podcast and reading and writing a lot more as well. Yeah. So even though I am able to see people, then it just gives me more time to take care of myself, which has been a good thing, mm. at least. And we'll definitely go back to your podcast later on for YouTube. Gonna plug that in and, you know, <laughs> learn lots about it. So folks from our pod can find out where to find you folks. Ooh, <laughs> next question. Yeah. Thank wait, you, wait. KP. Uh, big shout out to KP for making these questions, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you didn't answer that. What? Oh. You, you didn't answer the question. Oh, what? yeah. Uh, who would be the first retired? I no, agree. No, no, I no. Think, what? Are we all answering no. it? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, sorry, I, I was talking to Dan, but you didn't say what is your likely age to retire and your preferred age to retire. Oh, uh, likely age to retire is still probably my 50s. I'll probably be done by then. Still plenty of time to do other things. But preferred age to retire, assuming I get my life together and I've become insanely rich, 35 would be pretty good for me. Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm insanely rich by 35, yeah, I'll retire. No problems. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a curious kind of personality. It's like I always have things to do. Like, even if I'm not hanging with people or, I, or rather I have some projects I want to do on the side, I have no issues dropping everybody so I can pursue that project on the side. Right. And I'm happy to do it by myself. But that's just me. Like, I grew up very, like, solitary with no family uh, where I am, yeah. right? I don't have cousins, aunts, uncles in Canada. So I grew up very solo. And I think I became really independent uh, growing up. And I guess, like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with just, like, doing my own thing after 35. But anyways, that's kind of me. I'm okay to retire by 35 if I'm insanely rich. Otherwise, following the regular plan, regular route, expected things, then 50-ish. Wow, Dan, you just, you're cutting both of us out. I know you're used to only two people talking, or at most three people, but like, come on. Trying, man. I'm trying. Tina go? No. Tina didn't go either. My bad. My bad. Okay, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So for myself, I would say I will probably retire in my 50s or 60s. <laughs> I feel like I would probably be doing something on the side like maybe like freelance work or something part-time even but I don't I don't know I feel like I would be doing something but then ideally at least for my full-time job I would like to retire sooner like maybe my 40s all right your turn thank you Dan you're um, welcome <laughs> I want to be the one who edits this so that I'll leave all the, the bad no <laughs> Um, There's going to be a lot, Martin. Just saying. I would actually, to be honest, if if I get the career that I want, like I have, I have a plan in mind, and if I can achieve that, I don't mind retiring a little bit later in my sixties, which is also around what I would expect, maybe mid or late. Uh, no, not late. Maybe mid sixties, because I'll be enjoying what I'm doing. And again, that's only if you know, obviously, all goes as planned. I'm not sick and tired of where I'm working, just because. Like in, I guess, the UX world, the work can be very dynamic and you can work with a lot of different kinds of people. And that's something that I enjoy, at least for now, right? Obviously, can't tell in the future, but that's that's the plan. So I think like it's really interesting that we have somewhat of an idea what 30 or 20 years look like for now, right? And we're like 
in our late 20s. We're not like anywhere near there, but we're all, at least for me, I'm already thinking about my retirement plans, how I'm going to work that out, some money I would like to have by then. And I'm thinking, is this a common thought people our age have where we just like focus on other things right now? I think some people, like you're definitely not alone. I've talked with some coworkers and other folks around like our age who are like planning mm-hmm. and they look into like studies of like how much money you would need to be able to retire and all that stuff. Did it give you a so, number for that? I think, I think there was one article that someone showed me where they said like two mil, but that's mm-hmm. only if, you know, you don't, you cut back on the magnifications and luxury things like buying really expensive houses or really expensive cars, that sort of thing. So if you cut back from all of that, and it also depends on how many kids you're going to have, right? Uh, as well as how much uh, money your partner makes, if you do decide to have a partner. But they said, I think, on average, is around two mil, which makes me think I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> two, I definitely don't have two mil just lying around. Yeah. And like, it, the cost of living is just going up so much. Right. And I think part of our discussion today is that we're also be talking about kind of the costs of individuals. So in this case, we're talking about like genders for this podcast. Right. I think for guys, we definitely have fewer costs. I think for girls sometimes in terms of the pink tax and whatnot. But we'll leave that discussion for later. But the second one is who would be the last person to get married between us? Yikes. Last person. Or rather, maybe we could say the order of who do you think would be first to get married? However you want to interpret this question. Okay, first is easy. Yeah, I think I think, so. I think we all know who's going to be first. I think first. we yeah. agree with that. Yeah. The first person. I think we all agree except for that one person. <laughs> <laughs> I think three of us agree that Byrus will be the first person. But I don't think she's, she's the only one right now in like a long-term relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so. so it makes sense. <laughs> Hi, David. <laughs> we can cop that out after. <laughs> okay. If you don't agree, and it looks like she doesn't already, or the folks who are just listening. And it's, and it's okay if you don't believe in marriage. Yeah. That's a thing, too. That's yeah. totally okay with us. But but then who would it be for you, then, Virus? Who do you think is the first one? Discounting yourself. Because um, we all know it's you. Hmm. Oh, this is hard. I'm thinking, <laughs> actually. Folks, have we convinced her? She now believes that it's herself, too. <laughs> I can see the gears. I'm thinking Martin. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I think it's really? because, well, okay. So here's, I guess, a couple of thoughts I had. One, you've been in long-term relationships. Yeah. Um, so I think you are generally someone who going into a relationship, it would be for the long-term. Like, I don't see you as someone who dates around and your history has said you're not quite like that. And then uh, I guess... Yeah, I think we had a discussion the other day too, a while back, where I think you you do think about the future a, a lot more than some of my other friends that I know. So in terms of having a family, and that's a priority for you, having kids and all of that. So I think in that sense, you're ready. Okay, that, that's fair. That's I think fair. you just haven't found the one, unless you have an update for us. <laughs> Uh, no, I have not. But... I'm actually really curious about everyone's updates. Uh, I'll tell you, still very, still perpetually single, so no update here. <laughs> I don't talk to Tina enough to know what her status is, so I guess it's up to you to tell us or not. You'll find out. Oh, I mean, I mean I'm, yeah, I'm still single. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on the apps. 
yeah. I so wonder I, if you guys are too. <laughs> I think like between the four of us, but if there's Tani Byers because she's in like a long-term loving relationship. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm the, I'm the I think I'm the one that's taking the least amount of effort or putting out the, the least amount of effort on the apps or I'm not even on the app, so like really zero effort really. So I think the le- the person who's le- who's last to be married here is like probably likely me for different reasons, but I think I'll be last because just of a sheer amount of effort. I think I have a lot of things to figure out for myself before I even like look towards a relationship. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a like, kind of long process. Same time, I also understand that you have to take, you have to like take the leap and you can work on yourself while, you know, seeing somebody. So I also understand that piece as well. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting thoughts here. The next one is funny though. Who is the most likely to go vegan between the four of us? It's not Martin. I know that, right? Oh, hell no, not that. <laughs> I feel like nope. that's a hard question. Uh, that's a hard. Okay, let, let's, let's not even go vegan. Let's go vegetarian. We'll go. We'll, we'll, we go halfway. Who is who is the most likely to go vegetarian between the four of us? I'll have to go with Byrus or Tina. And now I'm trying to decide between either one. What? Yeah, one of you two. I'm gonna. <sighs> that's that's. <laughs> that's hard because we all love food. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think. I can do pretty well being a vegetarian. I like my meats, but I can. I think I can do pretty well with being a vegetarian. I feel like I need to eat more vegetables. <laughs> is, are you one of those people that like has like ninety percent meat on their plate and just like maybe like ten percent yeah. grain and five percent veggies? Sometimes I forget to eat fruit too. So <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. I, I was gonna say I was thinking Barsatina in the beginning because. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, for health reasons, not for like moral reasons. Health reasons? Health reasons, where you're like, you, you get in this groove of like, yeah, I'm going to be super healthy. I'm going to drink lots of water. I'm going to try to sleep early. I'm going to exercise. Keyword is try. And thus, you will also try to be a vegetarian, at least for a stint, like a period. I, I don't know if it's forever. Have you so, so that- tried like like fad diets like keto or nope. what's, what are some other diets that are out there? You know, like juice diets, et cetera. Nope. Nope, no diet. Is the carnivore diet? (laughs) There is. I know my friend's dad actually does the carnivore diet. He has like stock and steak every night. Oh, shikies. And like no veggies. And I'm like, ask him like, you know, are you not afraid of like lack of bowel movements? He's like, well, you know, (laughs) it's a concern, right? Like where's the fiber? And then the way he's explaining to me is like, you know, it it comes out eventually. So like you don't have to worry about it and your body will adjust. And like he's been on it for like a few, like quite a while now so it's really interesting at the same time we also talked about like the costs of like these diets especially carnivore diet because we're talking about stock bones meats and like it gets pretty expensive apparently so Barris, you said that you were like you know you're hyper like nah i'm never gonna try these diets is there a reason why or you know what's the deal there i just i don't know they never appealed to me like yeah they just never appealed to me i think the only quote-unquote diet i've ever I've ever done is like McDonald's. McDonald's diet. Is that even a diet? No, no, wait, wait, wait. Is that a reverse diet? So actually, fun fact, I stopped eating McDonald's for eight years straight. Whoa. Like not even a single fry. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. So yeah, that was after that was like grade eight after watching Super Size Me. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to eat this. So then I managed somehow to go to the States, like, cause I love traveling. So went to the States, I've been to Asia during that, those eight years and I never went to McDonald's. So 
And then now we have like 3 a.m. McDonald runs. So there's <laughs> wow. that. But I have done it. That's that's as I far of a seen, diet I've gone. I've seen that post on like your Instagrams and whatnot. Oh, the McDonald runs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so convenient now. Speaking of like a social media diets, I've, I actually haven't been on Instagram for a really long time. I took, I went back on last week to check on something and Instagram doesn't let you deactivate again after until the week after. Right. <laughs> so I've done, I, I've, since I've deactivated Instagram, I don't have any like, there's no regrets. It's like I spend a lot less time. Yeah. I find that I don't really achieve much by going on Instagram anyways. But uh, I know some of you have tried you know, being like social media diets. How has that worked out for you? I went off social media for three and a half months and I, it was totally fine for me. Like I had no Instagram, deleted, deactivated that, deleted TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. What else is there? Snapchat. I don't even use that anymore, but yeah, it wasn't actually hard. Like I think it's harder for me actually to have it there and set a freaking timer and be like, I'm only going to spend half an hour on it. I think that's harder for me. It's a all or nothing sort of thing. So if I were to just delete it, then it doesn't really bother me. And I don't know. I think for me, Instagram is where I'm at most of the time if I'm using social media. And I find that I actually don't care about a lot of things that are happening. I have a tendency to mute people too. So like I'll mute the, mute the post or stories if I don't actually care and yeah, I think I use it more to connect with people, mm. like to DM. I've been talking a lot on there. I think it's because I have a lot of friends that I've met overseas through travel that only have have my Instagram account rather than any like numbers or anything. So we talk there. Wow. But yeah, it hasn't been too hard for me. I mean, I think when I went on Instagram, I think of all the people here, I saw the I saw your highlights and stories the most. You tend oh, to yeah. have a lot of posts. Yeah. when I'm on I feel like I've actually gotten better over the years but if you met me well you you met me a year couple years ago but like I was a lot more active especially pre-pandemic now it's like if I share I think it's a lot of close friends only or I don't know I, I guess I'm more mindful of what I put out there just because I found that one of the big reasons why I even took this social media break was because I thought that a lot of things that were presented on social media were just noise. Like I, and, and I don't really do that as well. So I think what's interesting, like moving, moving aside from that, what I think what's interesting between Byers and Tina is that they have a lot of experience with traveling abroad. Tina in a different capacity, Byers is out, you know, exploring the world. Do you want to touch upon that a little bit? Then I mean, we can start with Tina and your experiences abroad. Oh yeah. So Yeah, I love to travel and I have lived abroad for a year in South Korea teaching English. So that was uh, one of my really memorable experiences. And and I guess since then, I have traveled a lot and I've also traveled with family and friends. I've traveled with virus before. Mm. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a Europe trip and... Um, I have caught a trips with both of you, or all, all of you guys, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun too. And I hope that we get to travel in the future together. Definitely. I think, I think like teaching abroad is definitely a really cool experience. And I think that's experience that many people don't end up doing in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I guess like, how was your experience? What are some challenges you had when you went to teach abroad? And what are some words of advice for anyone who's like maybe having inkling or itch to maybe explore that option? 
Yeah, I definitely have to say that having taught abroad, so I have a greater appreciation for teachers and also um, having taught abroad, I got to immerse myself in a different culture. And there was definitely a lot of challenges that not a lot of people knew about behind my Instagram photos. Mm. Um, Definitely the language barrier was the most difficult part because I wanted to really be able to connect with my students and the co-teachers that I taught with. But that was a lot more difficult in terms of connecting with them. Mm. And just the culture shock as well, Mm -hmm. having stepped foot in Asia for the first time that year and living by my own, I experienced homesickness as well. Um, but in terms of advice for those who feel called to teach abroad or just live abroad in the future, I think that if you really want it, you can definitely do it. And don't think of it as, I guess don't think of it as when you come back with what you're going to do after. If you feel like, oh, this is a venture I want, I want to have, then you can definitely pursue it. And when you come back, like you will be able to build your career or um, continue to con- reconnect and, and connect with the people in at, back, back home, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I guess like, you know, I guess like I, I can't really relate to you because I haven't done the experience that you had. But I guess like being East Asian yourself, right? Be, being Chinese, though, I guess more specifically in South Korea, did you find that folks would treat you differently because you weren't able to guess? Like, would you say the citizens there or the Koreans there, South Koreans there, would treat you differently just because you weren't able to speak the language or you looked a little bit differently from them? Yeah, for sure. I've definitely walked down the streets and had random people come up to me and ask me where I'm from. Like, <laughs> like straight up, is- like, yo, hey girl, yeah. you look different from us. Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you from? And then, but I also had people who mistaken me for being Korean and start speaking me in Korean. And because I didn't learn a lot of Korean at that time, I I couldn't really communicate. So I just held up my arms like an X sign. Yeah. So um, yeah, so it was really interesting in a sense. And I think even in in terms of classroom and teaching with my co-teachers, it was difficult in the sense because like we're in the office and I'm trying to, you know, build a report with them, but then they will be like talking in Korean and sharing stories and laughing and I wouldn't know what they're talking about. And in that sense, it was different and difficult to connect. Yeah. I, I definitely would feel very isolated in that, in that situation as well. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess like, there's definitely a lot of positives that come with a trip in terms of like the highlights and the new culture shop, no, well, new cultures, appreciation, the food, certainly, right? Mm-hmm. KBPQ galore, jealous, right? <laughs> jealous. Uh, but I guess there are certainly like aspects of the job or the lifestyle that I guess you don't really think about until you get there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. for sure. So, Varys, so jumping jumping ship to you now right so mm-hmm. tina ta- uh, went well tina traveled in the capacity of be a teacher but you i think you're the only one between the all four of us who's done a solo travel trip no right? tina has have you 
Yeah, I travel solo as well. Oh, cool. Then, okay, I have so many questions because I've never done that before. <laughs> I thought this episode is not about travel, but okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. sure. But, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, tell me about that. Like, you know, what made you want to travel alone? And what's, I guess, like, where do you go? And, you know, how was your experience? Okay, so... Um, I guess the background is I traveled to Spain on my own in 2019. So now two years ago, and that was my first time ever. I spent a couple of weeks there and I went to, I believe, five cities on my own just within Spain. And one of the biggest reasons why I decided to do it, and I guess kind of related to the topic if we're going with that, is it was very empowering, I think. I think as an East Asian woman, I don't think it's necessarily the most common thing. I know a lot of my friends are never even thought about doing solo trips. So that's just not part of the culture I feel. And I think it comes with a sense of just, there's like all the safety concerns too, right? When you're traveling, I I'm looking at Martin and it's like, he he was concerned for me. And a lot of my other friends were as well. So I think for me, there's just a lot to it, a lot to wanting to do the solo travel, uh, empowerment, independence, being able to see just how capable you really are. I think unless you put yourself in a situation where you are forced to fend for yourself, you'll never know how capable you are, right? And so that's kind of how I felt. and. I think what actually led to it was when I had a Euro trip with Tina and our two other friends, we met a lot of solo travelers because we were staying in on we were staying in hostels. And that was kind of my introduction to all of this. And then I had talked to a couple of people. And then there was one time that I remember specifically when Tina and I and our friends were in Italy. And I decided to wake up really early. I have this thing for sunrise. Like I love, love, love sunrise. And let's just say the rest of them were not down to wake up as early. So I decided to climb out of my bed and I just went up this mountain on my own and found a place and caught sunrise for the first time um, in my life that I felt like I was able to see everything like dawn and then have the sun just rise above and there was it's my background and it's my computer background my phone background now where you just see like all the clouds and mountains it was gorgeous and I think that was one of my most memorable experiences and memories from that trip and yet that trip was with three other friends so I think that showed me that there's just some things that you have to do for yourself and that kind of helped me in terms of pushing me to do that Spain trip. And yeah, after that, I, I just knew I wanted to do it. And when I want to do something, I like I when I know I really want to do something, I just work towards it. So yeah, a couple months later, I booked my ticket. And then we went to Spain, or I went to Spain. So yeah, there's a lot to it. I can go on and on. Oh, I'm sure. But Martin, what, what was your beef with the trip? Tell us what's the tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, that's a whole other side story. No, I, I want to hear it. What is it? <laughs> One of the things that Martin is worried about for me and perhaps uh, a lot of my other friends too is I just, I can be 
overly friendly, friendly, too friendly. I don't know what you call it, but I personally just love meeting people and I might be a little naive sometimes. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that. And also I think the whole, yeah, just add both of them together. When you're friendly and naive, you end up getting yourself into certain situations sometimes that might not necessarily be the most safe mm. per se potentially so think, potentially yeah. very dangerous <laughs> yeah i mean i will have to admit there's been a couple of instances where i've been in situations where it could have gone so so much worse right and i've been very blessed and lucky to not experience that and yeah, so I do know why he's worried <laughs> for me. And even Tina, like Tina being literally there, Tina and like our other friends were probably concerned for me as well. And I, yeah, I think I'm also someone who at that point in time didn't really know my limits in terms of uh, partying and drinking. Oh, yeah. I did better. Spain was it was a little better anyways uh so yeah so it's just a, a, a factor of many many different things so just to clarify that the face grabbing armpit guy like get the wrong message in terms of like like you being friendly did they did he take it as you coming on to him kind of thing did he tina do you think i don't like think... he definitely had a thing for That's i think it's so just weird. that you guys were hanging out and yeah close well but that was before so that had happened okay so backstory okay a little bit about this individual so basically we met him at the dinner just before going club hopping or bar hopping and mm -hmm. we all hit it off um let me preface it by saying in portugal the drinks were free at dinner time what so yeah, you can, I'm just trying to paint the picture. Is this for free everybody? Drinks. Everyone gets free drinks? Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're part of the dinner, you get, you pay for the dinner, but then you get unlimited drinks. So yeah. it's a recipe <laughs> of, for disaster to be completely honest. And then the bar hop itself was every single bar you go to, you get a free drink. <laughs> and God knows what drinks that we, we drank anyways. So met this individual along with some other friends. So we were all kind of partying, having fun. And then um, I guess we just hit it off, like in terms of we vibed and we didn't even talk much that time because it was afterwards that we talked. So yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe he got the wrong, probably, yes, got the wrong message. Oh, you definitely did. <sighs> yeah, I mean, 100%. there's other people who got the wrong message. Anyways, yeah, I think it's it was really that. And then it so I can't even say that we really clicked first though. Cause that story happened afterwards. There, yeah. Yeah, because like we did the sunrise, right? Like after that we went back to the hostel, did the sunrise, and then you guys were sleeping and I <laughs> again I was awake. And that's how him and I clicked because we actually chatted yeah. afterwards. But it's like after this whole face grabbing situation. Like did he grab your face? Is that where this comes in? It's just a picture. Yeah, it was like we took a picture, a group photo, and then enough photo. I didn't. Nobody realized it. I, I didn't even realize were, it. You were. <laughs> I had no or, idea. Yeah. So like we're all like just smiling at the photo, and then we look back at the photo. We see he was grabbing your 
Yeah. Like, is it is he come trying to inside my armpit? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Was it was was that was intention to like get get like in a kissing position or like what's, no, what's no. up with that? Actually, I have no idea. To be honest, like I have no recollection of that picture until I saw you're, it. You're just blackout drunk. The morning eh? after, I drank a little more than I should have. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. yeah, I guess like you know, if we were to go back to our topic here, you know, do you find that that guy was obviously really touchy, right? I think that's a more. I don't know if that's a Western thing or is that a thing in like other countries he's as a, well. He, um, wait, pause. He's in Asia. He's not a Western thing. No, I'm just saying, in, like dating, in, like in Western oh. like society, like we tend mm-hmm. to be touchy, right? In movies, people like grab someone by the arm, and it's like, yeah, you know. So, like, was he touchy in general, or just like you know? I guess so. I don't know. Okay, I guess like going from your experiences with dating, I guess Byron's not so much because you haven't been in the dating scene for a while. But you guys have a Tina, right? Yeah. When you were when you, when you were dating around, did you find that? guys you were seeing were kind of touchier than they should should have been or were they like hyper respectful of your boundaries i've i would like to think that generally i have been attracting guys that have been respectful of my boundaries and there was like one date (laughs) like one person that that tried to make a move on like the first date but everyone else has generally like respectful and they they try to like get to know me kind of thing yeah so that's my dating experiences anyways yeah for sure Can you add to it yeah, yeah I'm, like raising it. my hand oh okay. okay go for it i feel like it it also comes down to kind of the person you are i think tina naturally isn't a touchy person mm-hmm. even with her friends so I think the the guys that she attracts, I'm hoping, are a reflection of kind of who she is. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, the question I'm trying to go with here is that, you know, it's that we're definitely seeing a rise of, you know, calling people out, especially men who would historically, the predators or the sec- people who commit sexual assault on women. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have lots of cases of domestic violence, for sure. So we're definitely seeing more awareness on that, which is, like, excellent. But I guess, like, in your dating experiences, like, do you, are, I guess, is chivalry dead? Is that what I'm trying to ask? Rather, in an age where we're trying to empower women, trying to, you know, have them more independent, should Mm -hmm. chivalry still be a thing? Or is it time to put it in the, put it in the underground? Do you want to define it for us? Like in your terms? Uh, Chivalry is kind of the white knight where the guy kind of does, you know, treats his his girlfriend or whoever, his partner, like a princess. Door holding, uh, pays the bills, etc. The guy who takes care of the woman. I think that wouldn't be my definition of it. Okay. So how would you Um, define it? I think, I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I feel like there's also a sense of respect there respecting the woman and wanting to do things that show the respect I don't think it's necessarily uh like I'm opening the door for her because it's like the gender roles necessarily yeah that's how I see it okay and then in my perspective if it's based on my definition I don't think it's dead and I don't think it should be Mm. I can't remember the last time where it's like I can't remember the last time I've seen 
even portrayed in movies and whatnot where it was like the girlfriend or uh, the, the girl who was the opening the door or, you know, doing those things. Like but, for her themselves? No, not for themselves. Like for, for the like for the other partner, right? Oh, where, yeah, the, where the roles are reversed. It's like tra- traditionally you always have the guy who opens the door but not the girl opening the door. I mean, I don't really think of that. It's like whoever goes to the door first opens the door. Yeah. <laughs> like I open doors for people <laughs> and myself. <laughs> But, but I guess, like, let's shift this conversation a little bit. We didn't end up actually talking about your experience in uh, your your solo travel trip. So oh. do you want, do you want to, so Tina, do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Okay. Yeah. So with my solo travel trip, so, so I was exposed to it way before, like, even before I decided to go teach abroad. Basically, I've met someone who was really inspiring and she traveled on her own to different countries and she was actually the person who inspired me to go teach abroad and then from that year abroad I've met so many other um, expats and other travelers who have many other adventures and traveled alone by themselves too especially women and I remember asking one of the girls I met, like, oh, do you feel worried? Um, and she was like, no, it's like so safe for you to travel on your own, you know, just like take the precautions and, but you should be fine, right? And I think even I remember how before I left to teach abroad, a lot of people asked me if I was worried to go there by myself, especially since like, aside from my university experience, I never really been away from home for that long and not knowing anybody there too. Um, but then I think I was more excited than than anything to think of like the mm. dangers of travel, solo travel. Yeah. Um, but then I definitely would have to say again with what Vinus has said, how empowering it is just because like you have the freedom to do whatever you want and you know, go, go explore and, and eat whatever you want at your own pace and yeah, and you do get to meet people, like, even if you're, like, for me, I didn't really do any, like, clubbing or partying or any of that, but I still managed to meet people. Like, I met someone on the streets of Singapore, uh-huh. and and it was only because, like, I was getting dinner from a stall, and then there was, like, tables outside, and then I saw this girl, she has been sitting by herself, and so I sat on the same table, and that's how we connected. Okay. So it's kind of, like good in that sense because you're on your own you get to spend time by yourself and you learn a lot about yourself but it also forces you to like for myself I'm an introvert right so that forces me to also connect with people because I don't want to be on the whole trip where I don't talk to anyone right <laughs> like for like many days so then it forces me to also like connect with other people um, but for me I am quite selective too so then I trust my judgment with whoever I decide to like reach out to. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, sounds great. You know, it seems like you, it was a really strong, like great learning experience. I don't necessarily, I haven't really done abroad traveling like you folks. The only time that I've traveled is like when I did my explore exchanges to learn French in mm-hmm. Quebec. That was itself high, more structured than you folks, considering like it's they had an outline of your programming, but you're going there by yourself. So it's much different. So I guess like for me, I didn't have to prepare as much. I didn't have to worry about, you know, X, Y, Z. I guess, like, before I go into that, like, what were there some of the worries about your friends and family uh, at the time before you folks went on your trips? 
Kidnapping? Kidnapping. <laughs> that was the thing that came to mind. No, like straight up, Literally, actually, yeah. because as women, well, I guess it's just oh, I like I guess like I, I guess like historically, like women were would be the type to be like I guess that's like, that's a stereotype that's perpetuated, right? That women are the ones who would be kidnapped first, right? Versus yeah. versus a guy walking down the street. And I think the whole idea is that you know it's women are easier target, I guess. Yeah, and also just like human trafficking is a real thing, right? Yeah. And I think from what we know, a lot of the times the victims are women. And so when you are someone who is traveling to a foreign country, so a country that's just foreign to you, and you clearly stick out like a sore thumb. For me, I'm quite small, I guess, compared to, you know, it, like it's not, I want to say it's not hard to like just, just grab me or whatever but you know what I'm trying to say it's just it's I feel like I can be an easier target so there's that and also a lot of the safety concerns that my parents my friends were all really concerned about not just because of my personality but just you don't know who's out there and I would like to say I generally do give people the benefit of the doubt and I go with vibes and stuff but at the end of the day, when you're completely alone somewhere else, it's harder to fend for yourself and harder for you to ask for help, especially because you don't know the language, you don't know who to go to. So there's a lot of that. And I think there are uh, there are cases where people do try to take advantage of you. And that happens even when you're not abroad. Like I'm thinking Tina said that she didn't really go party and stuff, whereas I did, right? And when you mix any sort of substances into the equation, you are that much more vulnerable in comparison. So I think, yeah, there's just a lot of factors. Did you bring like little gadgets for, as a precaution? Like, I think there's like rings that you can bring to like, you know, you dip can. into your drink or like, oh yeah. So if someone messes your drink, you put something in it. So it changes color to tell you if it's like been spiked or not. Yeah. And like, I've seen yeah. this thing is really cool. Oh. Or like, it's like a claw thing you put around your, so make it like put it on your wrist. It can actually go claw. I don't know if you can pass through security with all like of a that. Weapon? Like it looks like <laughs> yeah. a hook. It, looks like, I think it just looks like a hook. Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty well, sure. No. I think if you put any check in, it should be okay. Like uh, the airport security took away my mom's nail clipper. Yeah, uh, I've had that happen too. That was a weapon. <laughs> that was a weapon. So I'm, she lost I'm, it. Actually, it's funny because when I was traveling one time, I had scissors in my in my luggage. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, Not scissors. Is... <laughs> no, but like I, I didn't realize I had scissors in my luggage, and then the guy like like it's like I, I thought I didn't have anything in there, and then the guy brought it. I was like, oh, you have scissors in here. I'm like, oh shoot, shoot. So I brought it out, and he's like, okay, yeah, just take them. I don't really care. The guy took out a freaking ruler, <laughs> like tried to take a freaking ruler and like measured it out. It's like, oh, you know, it's actually under the under the like, you know, under the the limit, so you can have it. I'm like. What? <laughs> I'm like, I can do a lot of damage oh, with like even a yeah, five like, centimeter. So you can have <laughs> what? They let you get away scissors, but they yeah, jack like, my mom's nail like, you know, probably like finger length. What? That's crazy. I'm like, I can do a lot of damage with like a five yeah. centimeter scissor. Not to say I would, but I'm just like, why don't you? Just yes, take them? you can kill somebody with a pair of scissors. Yeah, yes. I'm like, just just take them. I don't want them. Like, you know, like I just buy another one from the dollar store. Wow. When I came back. So I definitely didn't worry about kidnapping as much uh, when I when I travel like you folks. I think it's different as a guy as well, right? I feel like, generally speaking, we you're right. Like I don't think I I think when I travel for places, I don't. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the whole um, 
I think that is a perk of being a guy, right? Where we kind of have to worry less about these things because we're not historically like labeled as like easy targets in society. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I remember when I had a question, but yeah. go first. Okay, Martin first and then Paris. So like I remember when I went to Hong Kong on my own. It wasn't I wouldn't call it a solo travel mm-hmm. per se, because I have family in Hong Kong that I could yeah. go and hang out with. And I did. I, I stayed with my aunt. To, to save money at the time but I remember my parents didn't ask me too many questions they just want to make sure you know you got your your plane ticket and all that sorted out because I think she, she felt okay once I got there that I would manage on my own this was back during first year first year undergrad I think and it was fine yeah like just get on the plane you go and then at night my aunt would be like oh if you want to go explore the city or whatever you can like you have you have a, the subway doctor's card right Yeah. For those who ever traveled to Hong Kong, get an octopus card. Oh yeah. It doesn't look like tentacles are coming out of the card. Game changer. It's just it's just called octopus card. Yeah. It's like a prepaid card like that you would use for subway system, but it works for everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Um, convenience store and sorry, I digress. Please keep going. Yeah. (laughs) It's like presto card, but pretty pretty much a billion times. It's presto card on crack. Yeah. Debit card. It's debit, essentially debit that. Basically. Yeah, it's true. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I'd go out. I'd come back. I, I didn't really party at that time on my own, but it, it was fine. Didn't ask too many questions. A few years later, my sister goes on not a solo trip. So she went with a couple of friends. And then my parents go to me and they're like, do you think it's safe for Francis? And I'm like, yeah, she's going with some friends. Why not? And she's like, yeah, but she's going to be staying at a hostel. And like, who are the people that she's staying with? One of them is a guy. And she, I'm like, Mom, they're all friends. They've been friends for like ever since med school. And they're like, aren't you even a little bit concerned? And they started getting like mildly annoyed that I wasn't concerned, I guess. Because I'm like, no, she's fine. Like Francis can handle herself. She's with her friends. But it, it just, it made me think about like how many questions I got when I went out by myself, which is not that many at all. They're just like, oh, do you have money? You know where to go? Yeah. But with my sister who was older, because again, it was a few years later, she got a ton of questions. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure she was more capable at that time than when I went to Hong Kong by myself. Right? Like she had more money, she was older, right, more mature. So yeah, it's just it's a very interesting comparison. I think as much as we don't want to follow these like stereotypes, mm-hmm. it's still very like front of mind. It's uh, interesting for a lot of folks because right? you're a twin. You're this exact same age range, you yeah. know. And from my understanding, she's like the feistier one between the two of you, right? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, definitely, 100%, 100%. It's, it's, it's also funny. So recently, we had a conversation just about, tri- like, walking around downtown. Now, COVID aside, mm-hmm. uh, I've been around downtown at, like, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and I, I didn't sweat it. I was 2 a.m. walking from a place to a subway stop, mildly tipsy, and I felt perfectly safe. I'm just, I'm just walking to the subway, and that's it. My sister, after 10 p.m., she wouldn't go out. <laughs> In Toronto, in downtown Toronto, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But well, I'm like, well, whereabouts are you? And to be fair, she was in a, she was closer to the hospital. And near hospitals, there's usually uh, more, I guess, drunk folk or people or homeless people as well. But still, I think I've walked by that street and I didn't really sweat it. Like, you'll hear some strange folks being loud off on their own, but just, you know, don't approach them and, and you're good. So again, it was it was kind of eye-opening that like there's this fear where to me, I was, I felt perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baris, you had a question, right? Yes, I have a couple of questions. Go for so, it. So for both of you, 
I guess Tina too. First question is, have you ever walked down the street in broad daylight and felt any sort of concern? No, opposite. It's funny. I thought of this week. I walked in, like I walked down, like I go for walks every day now, just like, you know, just to keep the weight off, which is not working by the way, but I digress. (laughs) So, so, so still a bowling ball. Opposite. I walk down the street and a lot of times like families, little kids, like, you know, on their like, uh, on their scooters and the grannies with their, you know, with their grandchildren and carriages. I find that they're scared of me. More than anything else, so I, <laughs> I, ch- I make it a thing that if I see them two kilometers away, that I will switch to the other side of the street just so they don't feel fear that this hulking Asian guy is about to beat them up or I'm gonna do anything to them, right? So I don't fear for them. Sorry, I don't have I don't have fear. I am concerned that they're gonna perceive me in a different light or in from a threatening light. So I try to keep myself as clear as possible from anybody. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but. Is that more because of COVID or is it more because you're an intimidating guy? <laughs> I think COVID is definitely one aspect of it. I don't want to be in anyone's kind of vicinity, but yeah, I, yeah. I have seen grannies like do a double take just in case that I was about to charge at them or something. So I'm like, I, I make it a thing. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a small guy. I'm like fairly like bulky and like I can't, I can see myself being intimidating if you didn't know me. But I think that's the, that's the thing of it. That's a, that's like. Uh, image right i'm sure if i was you know a skinny fit woman i don't think i'd be as intimidating right i think with like a, a man walking in society walking alone i guess you, you would have throw a little bit more suspicion i think in my experience yeah to answer no never not even in the slightest it has not even in the slightest crossed my mind day or night where i thought i would be uh vulnerable or or nervous i think maybe I think that's a, a privilege yeah. Yes, and I, I guess so. I'm I'm thankful that I get to be in that position. I'll say maybe the only exception was we were in LA and it was a shadier part of town. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I was still with my family, but uh, it was relatively quiet. And, and so I'm like, maybe, but like, again, it, it didn't even stick around for that long uh, because we were relatively close to the um, the hotel we were staying at. So mm-hmm. no, I, I feel very fortunate that I don't have to be afraid. You know. Yes, I have. And I would say it is more recent too, or it's more Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Um, So one, because of COVID, (laughs) so not wanting to be uh, near people. But I think it's also because of the rise in Asian hate crimes Mm -hmm. and the news that's been out about, you know, like, like having just hearing the news and how Asian women in particular just Asians in general being attacked just by walking down the streets. So I think that it has actually crossed my mind when I go out just uh, just earlier this year and just have thinking about or thinking about my family, but also thinking for myself, like that is actually probably the first time that I actually have these thoughts of not really feeling so safe and being more aware of my surroundings. But mm-hmm. prior to that, I never really felt uncomfortable in just like walking outside in the streets in Toronto or anywhere else in broad daylight. I think I probably fear the most out of the four of us. And I think honestly, even just yesterday taking a walk and I think our community is relatively safe, but being a woman walking out alone, I have definitely been scared of even like sometimes car passing. Like I have been followed and I have been followed by car and people. I have 
kind of experienced it just doing your own thing, right? Like you go, if you're taking a walk by yourself, you kind of want to just spend some time alone, maybe enjoy the weather and whatnot. Like I've been approached a handful of times and it's not like braggy or anything. Like (laughs) Martin knows how much I hate being approached, but it's like these things happen and yeah, like I, I think that's like the, the difference. And I think you can tell kind of the privilege or the fortunate aspect of things where you, you don't have to fear for it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think as, a, as guys, I think we do get a lot of privilege in that sense where safety is probably not on the forefront of our thinking. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like not to like not to invalidate your feelings, but like I think you are like generally quite attractive. Right. So I think that itself <laughs> will, will like, you know, grab a lot of guys, not to say, like, or grab the attention of a lot of guys. Not to say that's right. I think it's actually kind of creepy that someone would follow you. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't know why you would feel like that. Oh, I'm going to follow you. And that's going to make me really attractive. It's like very predatorish. It's like, it's not okay. Have you, have you ever called them out on like, you get scared. Like when you're in a position where you already feel very vulnerable and you know, you don't know who this person is or what they're capable of. I think for me, just naturally, I gravitate towards, I'm, it's bad. It's something that I'm working on. I am generally more passive in these situations, but I think it's just, it's so hard to really stick up for yourself because you never know what they'll end up doing. Like I've had an incident, I had an instance where I was waiting for the train to go home um, or the bus and I had someone approach me and this was pre-pandemic and he just started trying to talk to me and I had my earphones on and I didn't want to engage because I just don't and he became more and more aggressive towards me and it's like do I say something at that point and you just you're just in an uncomfortable situation so you don't really want to deal with it yeah you just kind of want to like run away or the guy was clearly not reading the room no not at all yeah yeah I guess, like, the passive approach has always been kind of, like, how you're told to deal with things. But do you think, mm-hmm. as women, do you think for people out there, should should you continue to be passive? Is that the best way of dealing with it? Or should the should, should the paradigm be shifted a little bit where they should be more willing to speak up? But I, I also understand it, what you are saying earlier about the whole, like, yeah. being threatened aspect of, as well. I think it's situational. It's dependent on kind of the era that you're in. In my case, in these examples, for instance, if I'm completely alone, no, like I don't, I am not capable of fighting them. I'm not strong enough to defend myself. I think the best is to run. In other situations, if I am alone, but I have maybe a couple of friends that are in the surrounding area, or I'm in a a room where there's other people, then perhaps... So I think it really depends. I would love to have more women who are more less passive in these situations, but I think the focus really should be on the men in this case to not be putting these women in these uh, sort of search in these sort of circumstances or situations. Yeah. Yeah, I think like you're right. Like the fact is that we a lot of times we t- we talk about the girls' perspective and what they can do, but. It's, but we need to also address like why the hell are these guys doing this in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Last week we talked about toxic masculinity. I know you weren't there for that, but it's really interesting that you know Martin can probably attribute to this as well. That a lot of 
the media and what we grew up with have these guys in these kind of uh, traditionally toxic, jockish kind of uh, personas mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, hitting on girls and the guy always getting girls seems to be the narrative in like stories. Right. And I think that's what validates uh, these guys to do it, to, you know, do what they do. And I don't know, like, you know, how many, in how many scenarios where they're actually rewarded, right? Are girls actually attracted to men who are like more aggressive? Perhaps not in the creepy sense, but like for guys who are like a little bit more confident, who exude more of these jockish kind of traits, is that attractive for women, or is that like just like is that more of a movie only thing? I can jump on it, but I want Tina to go first because I feel like I'm dominating. No, it's not attractive if they're super aggressive. If they're assertive and they're decisive and they take charge, that can be attractive. Or it's more so if they're confident that is attractive, but they're respectful of the, our boundaries and, and in general, then yes, that is attractive. But if they're someone who, what's the question again? <laughs> what was the question? Oh yeah. The if question was essentially if like for someone who is like, who exudes kind of the whole athletic, hyper-masculine, <laughs> assertive, like you said, this typical jock. Right. Um, yeah. Your manly man, essentially, is that attractive? Is that do you find like rather? Let me change the question then. What kind of what what traits do you look for in the ideal boyfriend? What does what does he look sound, etc. Well, let me just add on to what I guess manly. what I said earlier. <laughs> so the, one of the topics too, right, from last week is that oh. typically if you're less masculine, you're like less marketable. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. I actually feel like guys who are are more like empathetic and have high emotional emotional intel- intelligence is attractive more than someone who is like super aggressive and like yes i think that someone who is decisive and can take charge is attractive but not to the sense where they're it's like overboard to the point where they make decisions for you right they respect your decisions and your boundaries and not try to tell you oh how you should live your life yeah <laughs> okay do you want to add on to that bars uh sure i think it's dependent on the stage you're in in life i think for me i have had i think earlier years I sound so old. Um, I would say that I was definitely more attracted to the jock type. And I've definitely unofficially dated the jock type. Like there's there's attraction there, right? Like there's there's a reason why they're portrayed a certain way. They're the what Tina was saying, confident. I think that is a big part. They are charismatic, and I think that's also a big part. And I think growing up, we are taught, I guess, that stereotype stereotypical uh, mindset where the woman is more, you know, frail or like needs to be protected. And I think I bought into it a little more back then. And so having the men be, and again, I'm saying like men, women, but obviously it could be anything. Um, So like, but having them be that, that macho, like, you know, the, the protector, right? Like that's attractive at that point in time. But I think growing up and over the last couple of years, I've definitely, 
prefer someone who is more respectful, who can connect with me on a more emotional level, but not to say that I'm not attracted to those who might still have the the jaw characteristics still, mm -hmm. right? So I think it really depends on the stage in life that you're in. And I think your perspective shifts. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for younger folks, I think we go with whatever is portrayed on TV and try to project that into exactly. our lives. And then as yeah. later on, you kind of know what you want, right? It's a whole saying, nice guys finish last. But I mean, like nice, nice guys is a whole, like another story. I think sometimes nice guys are like just gross sometimes. You know? I agree. Like, like, have you ever had a nice guy experience? It, elaborate. Yeah. Okay, so a nice guy is like, just because I'm nice to you, you're obligated to date me or reciprocate in some ways. Yes. I think, yeah. I, I think that whole phrase is a contradiction in itself. It is, truly. Right? Like, nice guys finish last, but if you need to spit that out, yeah. then are you really that nice of a person? Yeah. Uh, niceness, at least to me, comes from a, like a place of altruism, right? You just yeah. want to do something for somebody because it's the right thing to do or a good thing to do. Uh, not because they owe you anything. So like if, if you actually have to utter like that phrase, then it's like, there's already a mismatch somewhere. Yeah. I think part of that is that it's such a reward based system though, like in our education, because every time you do something good or nice, you're given something as uh, to recognize it. Oh, you were this this month. Here's a certificate. You were doing this. Here's a treat. Here's a lollipop. I'm 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 sounding like we're training dogs here, but in some ways, kind of is right. You're always basically you're kind of rewarded for doing something right, not because you're supposed to do it. Right? It's based on the same principles, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. of like punishment reward, right? Yeah. So I think with these guys, it may be it may be because if they're being nice and not rewarded, they get frustrated because they're expecting, you know, that treat, you know, end of the leash, but really. It doesn't exist because the leash wasn't there in the first place. Mm -hmm. I feel like that mindset also falls back on like the whole media persona of the jock, right? It's like, oh, as long as you uh, exhibit traits ABC, which you can find on TV from like Prince Charming on, on whatever show, then you must therefore automatically be popular with the ladies, which is just, is just not the case. Like people are more complicated than that. Yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting thought to have. I, I think from there, a lot of people have like, I guess, like branching thoughts about like, what does it mean to be? I use air quotes here. Nice. Mm -hmm. I think when some people make that claim, nice guys finish last. They they feel that being nice means being a little bit more passive uh, and not aggressive and just be kind of like your your good friend. But on that point, I think at a certain point, you can be a little more passive and a good friend. But if you want to get noticed, you also have to be confident. So if I could, I would change it to non-confident guys finish last, which I would be more inclined to agree yeah. with. Yeah, I agree as well. And I feel like those who use nice guys finish last as... Okay, actually, I think those who use nice guys finish last are generally victimizing themselves. For lack yeah. of a better word. I, yeah. think, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I think so. I want to hear about dating from both yourself, uh, Virus, and Tina as well. Oh, I would like to hear about yours as well. Your experiences <laughs> too. All of your experiences. Non-existent. There you go. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> with respect to the double standard, mm -hmm. right, from a dating yeah. perspective, right. uh, what, have, what kind of situations have you guys encountered 
where say a guy would have an upper hand or if you disagree maybe a girl would have an upper hand do you want to share any of your experience you want me to go first yeah yeah yes. sure yeah no i can go so i can yeah okay um, that. yeah from a okay so from an online dating perspective uh i feel that girls have an upper hand and here's why okay um Having spoken with a few friends who are girls uh, and who are using the dating apps, um, it seems like from their experience, uh, they get a lot more, uh, I almost said the word suitors, which makes me sound like super formal and awkwardly old, but they get a lot more likes, right? They get a lot of people who match them and they get to pick from the list of people who match them uh, based on, I don't know, whatever X criteria. and to flip that from a guy's perspective, uh, it's the opposite. We have to play the numbers game where we're trying to like as many people as we can because we know out of, say, the 20 people that we, we hit like on, uh, only five of them will spawn. And out of that five, maybe only one or two would actually agree to meet up. So it's, it's almost reversed. Byris, you have your hand up. I do. I want to say something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go, Tina. No, no, you, you can go because that's a different question. But <laughs> Okay. So I haven't really used the app ever. I've only swiped for friends, really. But I think this is a really good example of quality versus quantity. Even though girls get quantity, the quality is very low. Um, and I see nods. So I think there's an agreement. And then in terms of guys, sure, quality or no quantity is lower, but then I would like to assume that quality is better. That's just my perspective. And that's why, yeah, because I have had so many girlfriends who just, they are wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And yet they can't, they haven't had the opportunity to meet equally wonderful suitors since you used that word earlier oh, God. <laughs> but it's, so awkwardly it's, true. it's true though like I at least that's from my perspective so it doesn't matter that they have a hundred to choose from if really there's only 10 or less that are quality people right and actually it makes it even harder for them because you go through so many and you're like you start giving up like I'm sure a lot of my girlfriends are just at a point where they are tired of going through, for lack of a better word, trashy people. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's my perspective. Mm. Tina, I'll turn it to Tina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just like collecting my thoughts here. Um, but it's interesting, like from the guy's perspective, because I think that a guy, the guys, a lot of guys um, have that perspective. And I can see where you're coming from, but also... At the same time, I feel like it really depends on the person because just like knowing with like in terms of like effort and that in terms of how much effort you put in, because say, I don't know if you guys do this, but so I know some guys who they just like anyone and everyone, right? And that's like, you know, you get a lot of, you might get a lot of people, um, you might swipe a lot of people, but then um, in terms of even like if you match with them, right? Like you have so many people that that some girls actually take initiative to message, right? But then 
they they might not respond to the girl and then uh, let me try to say here <laughs> so like just saying that um like for me personally i when i match with someone i will take initiative to message and personalize the message and say their name and something based on their profile right but i find that not a lot of guys do that or well, some guys do but then some guys might just say like hi or just like your photo um, but with guys that actually comment and say something about your profile, that little effort actually goes a long way. I would like to add on that okay. you're right. I think you're right that it's not really nice to have. But I've uh-huh. also had a friend. It's our, it's our mutual friend. I'm not going to say who it is. Mm-hmm. But he was telling me that, you know, he matches with all, all these girls. But I think because of the volume of matches that they get, uh-huh. you don't have the time to commit to these guys. Or for, for example, our friend. Well, they guess, hey, 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 like, as in, like, hey from one girl, hey from another, because they, they don't, really don't have the energy, I guess, to write out, you know, meaningful questions, right? On that end, I think, like, it'd be nice, not, I, I haven't experienced myself, because I don't go on apps early, really, <laughs> but I think it'd be nice on both both sides of the, of the, of the coin, right, to receive those, uh, to receive more meaningful messages, to engage in conversations, but I understand it's also a volume game too, where whereas girls are like, you know, inundated with like, with like matches, whereas like guys are perhaps you know giving their best shot with like you know one or two. And I also have to say, in terms of not just like the effort from the other side, but also in terms of their profile for example you can see how much effort someone puts into that profile say some guys they might not even have anything filled out or the photo quality is not the best like it doesn't show their full face i do notice people have photos of maybe their pets or food which is which is nice to see like your interest but then there isn't a full face photo where you can actually see how they look Mm -hmm. right so then like there's always just, just little improvements like that on your profile, I think could get more matches. Would it be interesting on a dating app in the future where they're like, you're gonna unmatch this person? Would you like leave feedback for this person, like anonymous <laughs> feedback? <laughs> and that will not be a popular app, sir. <laughs> would it not? I, I, like, would you, you can you can like need it. <laughs> you know, when you unmatch somebody, would it's like you can use optional. Like, would you like to leave feedback for this person? I. I think there's going to be a lot of sensitive people, uh, both guys and girls out there, who will get very upset very easily. Oh, for uh, sure. I'm sure sometimes <laughs> I can see that being abused too, right? Writing hateful yeah. messages and going off. But like yeah. at the same time, it's like how if you're not successful, wouldn't it be nice to receive some like constructive feedback on how to improve? If people use the feature constructively, then yes, I wholeheartedly agree. But I just know people won't, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put money that that app won't be very popular because of how many like trolls or just like I don't know mean people out there. But yeah, I mean communication is a huge key, right? Whether it's oh it is pre, Absolutely. during or after a relationship, I think like having those conversations and communicating what would be, you know, what would improve the other person yeah. or like what next steps it could take would be really nice to have versus you know brick wall. I'm I'm curious. Um, so, Dan, you said you're not on the apps right now? No. No, okay. How about, like, during pandemic, have you been at all? Nope. No? Okay. Yeah. How but... about Martin? 
I did for a little while at some. What's yeah, with the? I'm just, I'm just interested. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious about your experiences, like dating pre-COVID and during pandemic. Uh, yeah, okay to share. It, it's, it's weird for me, because. I arguably had more of a quote-unquote modern dating experience during COVID than before. Before I was in a couple, I guess, long-term mm. relationships, and so I wasn't, I wasn't like dating on an app at that time, right? I was just in my relationship, and and that was it. After COVID started, uh, obviously can't meet people uh, in person as as easily. Um, so I tried out, and I started using the apps more. Uh, and and yeah, so during COVID, I did I did use it for a little bit. It was interesting. Uh, yet to first navigate around the whole like, uh, are we allowed to meet? At the time that I was using it, there wasn't any stay at home order. And actually, in fact, it was uh, late summer um, of last year where people were more out and about, and there were a lower number of cases, and so people were generally a little bit more relaxed. So yeah, I, I did meet people during that time. Uh, masks up, but at the very least, we were able to go for walks because weather allowed. And uh, it was very, it was interesting. Personally, I always, always, always prefer meeting people uh, in person and having a face-to-face kind of conversation, even with masks. Mm-hmm. I don't like the whole texting game that some people play. I think it's it's really stupid. <laughs> It's so hard. I'll, I'll touch next to that. Like you, don't, yeah. you just can't read emotion if they're upset with you. Exactly. You don't know what their texting patterns are. I've had times where I texted somebody and then text back to like literally twenty four hours later or like roughly that time. It can be frustrating. I think like having those phone chats is like more like responsive. You get to get more meaningful responses. And like yeah, it's hard to read tone over text, whether it's a relationship or like outside. It really is hard. Um. I'm definitely a b- bad texter. Like some yeah. people say they're bad texters. I agree. No. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Calling him out. <laughs> but no, I am I'm absolutely a bad texter. I'll openly admit it. Because I don't like it. I just don't like it. And so I don't I'm not as willing to put that much effort into it. But if someone were to want to meet face to face or even during vi- like a video call, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Mm. Um and so yeah, I think that's where the challenge was for me. Uh-huh. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so then when you do get matched with someone and you're messaging and trying to get to know one another, do you find, how do you find like the response rate? Well, I guess you kind of answered it, but like in response rate in terms of the girls, like do they, how, do you feel, feel like they put an effort or do you find a lot of girls message first or they wait for you to message? So zero of them, zero. Yeah. message first okay actually zero oh, right. message first okay. i have not met one person really? they, they might no i have not met a single person and granted like i'm not the the most popular like i don't have tons <laughs> of people liking me or anything but yeah none of them message first at best they'll like something that i wrote on my profile but they won't actually send a message with it they'll just indicate it that they liked it so mm-hmm. that has happened a few times but yeah zero a grand total of zero has <laughs> message first so it was always me if they liked it i'm like then I try to come up with something back. It's harder because <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, they like my quote, but they didn't say anything. So what does that mean? Do they think it's funny? Do they agree or disagree? But so yeah, that, that's what I've had to do. And maybe that's why I had my initial opinion from earlier. Yeah. Obviously, it's subject to my own personal bias and my own experiences mm-hmm. from what I 
from what I've seen and from what I've heard from friends, both male and female. Looping back to, I guess, the initial question of kind of who has the upper hand, I think for this instance, I feel like generally girls do have the upper hand. I think it's also because, I don't know, I don't even know where this comes from. Like, why is it such a taboo for for girls to reach out first? Like, I have asked guys out. I've asked guys for their numbers, like pre-pandemic I have no problem asking guys out on a date and I don't I never even understood back then why girls fear that or I shouldn't generalize but a lot of my friends don't do that so yeah I I don't know I think it's like I think it's just like the whole sex like sex roles you know like in terms Mm -hmm. of like gender roles that's been imposed since you know the early days where the man has to be the one reach out and that you know I think part of it is that you don't want to appear less feminine by taking the first move. And I don't know. I think that's why I think of it. If you if you watch Bling Empire, really great series. Towards the end, uh, one of the... <laughs> oh, when she asked the marriage. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and, like, oh, it's like, this whole, like, taboo is like, oh, the girl's not supposed to do that, you know? Yeah. It, it's just so, it's so established and ingrained in our society that the man has to be, you know, the chival- back to chivalry, right? That man has to be the one to do these things and to approach and do the chase. Mm-hmm. And then your girl just says yes or no. But Martin, Martin's a big fan of Bling Empire. I didn't he he promised it. to watch another episode. I don't recall this at all. But yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, I think like also for guys, I think, I'm not sure if like, especially guys with like, you know, toxic, not toxic, but like fragile egos. You know, I'm not sure how they would feel. I personally wouldn't care, but like about guys who would have a girl ask them out. Right. Mm-hmm. They want a more, would they see the girl as less feminine? Would they be less attractive because a girl asked them out instead of, you know, them asking her out? Would they feel emasculated? That's so, a, Those are my guesses. Well, if they do, then that's on them. And they're I, missing out on someone who's really awesome. So, I mean, obviously subject to my own bias, my own experiences, but I don't know a single guy who wouldn't like a girl who asked them out. Like, I'm, like every single male I know, straight or, straight or otherwise, actually, mm-hmm. I don't think any of them would mind someone asking them. Mm-hmm. right because i i think i think it's super attractive when a girl shows that they're attracted to you and they're they're willing to go through you know the potential risk of embarrassment or whatever to ask you out uh so yeah <laughs> i think it's amazing if they do i just going back to an earlier point uh, i don't know if it's so much as fear for the girl to like they're afraid mm-hmm. as much as it is maybe it's just an expectation because uh, I don't think they're afraid to ask guys out. It's not a fear thing. I think it's just a maybe a social expectation or something that they personally want. I think um, there's a fear of rejection fear, from oh, both okay. ends, right? Yeah. Like I think whoever makes the first move with anything, uh, relationships and anything else, you have to be more vulnerable, right? And I think that comes with there. It's there that comes with fear. So in this case, I think. Yeah, I think that that would be the reason. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm. I guess I want to give you folks a chance to plug your amazing podcast, Heart to Heart Pod with Tina and Becoming BKYL with Virus, which I still don't know what that stands for. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, you can listen to the first episode okay. and then... <laughs> maybe, maybe I wasn't paying attention to it, but like, do you want to you know, tell our audience what that's all about? Um, sure, I can go first. So I recently launched a podcast, actually, well, I don't know, I guess it depends on when this one is live, but 
a couple of days ago, I launched a podcast called Becoming BKYL. And essentially the podcast is focused on self-love, growth, and development. And I, in the podcast, I hope to kind of work on amplifying people's voices. I think there's a lack of representation across the media for women and men too in like the Asian community. So I think that's one thing that I want to do. And also just to have more vulnerable conversations. So um, BKYL has a special meaning to me. It's more of a personal mission statement that I am striving to work towards. And I think this entire podcast is more on my own growth, but having guests come along and join alongside me on this journey. Mm. How about you, Tina? That's, what, that's what, What's your pod all about? Yes, so Heart to Heart Pod is basically a safe space for two brave selves, so myself and a guest, to have honest and vulnerable conversations to connect and heal our hearts. And um, conversations can include everything from personal growth, career development, uh, mental health, women empowerment, and much more. So yeah, I'm excited to have you guys all on it in the future. We would love to. And uh, it's so it. great to see like such like positive podcasts come out. If you remember for our first episode where I was saying that every mom, uncle, aunts, and dogs were starting a podcast, well, we <laughs> we all happened to start a podcast uh, <laughs> over the pandemic. So we are all of those people. Yeah, for sure. According to Martin, we don't have real listeners. What do you mean? What do you we mean? Have, like, we have some random one-off stranger from like Wisconsin. And I'm like, what are the chances? We have of two a from Texas, too. They probably tuned in. You never know. Yeah, yeah but, but we're not even advertising. He's so cynical. <laughs> no, but that's the beauty of it because yeah. you're putting it out there. Like, it's reachable across the world. And exactly. I mean, I think for all the podcasts, you have the the category it belongs to. So yeah. perhaps they're searching that category, hoping to find something new to listen to. And if they're tuning in, you guys are doing something right. It's resonating with people. So. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, Martin. Okay. Don't shoot us in the foot. I'm still waiting. If if you, stranger out there from Australia and from, I think, Wisconsin or wherever else, if you're not a bot, send us an email, please, at down to chat, or podcast.downtochat at gmail.com. You'll find and it. tell me I'm wrong. You'll find, our, you'll find our email in the description. Where We'll find it. In the description, you'll also find links in the description for our podcast from our guest today. So again, it's Heart yes. to Heart Pod with Tina and Becoming BKYL with Virus. So thank you to you again for coming on today and you really, really talking about uh, dating, traveling, and uh, gender roles. Uh, and it was, it was a lovely uh, time. It was a pleasure to have you folks on today. Yes. Thank you, thank you guys us. so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So for, until next time, folks, we'll see you in two weeks time. Until then, stay awesome, stay lit, and stay safe, and hopefully not catch COVID. Okay, bye! Bye, guys. Can I say stay away from Martin? No. (laughs) No, you cannot. (laughs) 